One man, one mission, to equip the Church of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and awaken the Church to the voice of the Spirit. David Cuppet brings to you the School of the Holy Spirit from one of his many missions from around the world, where he aligns with apostolic leaders to eradicate spiritual blindness and reveal the true authority of believers in Christ, to prophesy, heal the sick, raise the dead, and cleanse the lepers. Open your heart and get ready to receive all that the Holy Spirit has for you in this week's session of the School of the Holy Spirit. School is in session. You guys are a prophetic church, right? Everybody here has received prophetic words. Everybody here has had, in some fashion, dreams or visions. Is that true? Is there anybody here who, who doesn't dream or does not have visions in their prayer life? I think, I think most of you do. You're, you're, a, you're a spirit-filled church. And people who have a prayer life, when you enter in, you, you pray in the Spirit, the Lord um, comes and speaks to you. That's, that's a relationship, right? <clears throat> but oftentimes, especially when you get prophetic words, you end up not pulling on them or expecting in them or believing that they're going to take you through impossible situations so that the truth, the, the reality that was spoken in that prophecy or revealed in that dream will come forth. And I want to encourage you that the path of righteousness, the path that is connected to the words you've received, it's impossible for you to walk alone. And it's going to feel impossible. And all the questions that come about when those words spoken to you, you think you're stepping into this amazing glory. But before the glory there's a night season. There's a challenge. Will your heart hold on to what was spoken? Right? Will you become the Word? And as a backdrop, I want to I talk to you about the, the war around you becoming the Word. You becoming the prophecy, the dream, the thing that was spoken to you by the Lord. Because when He speaks to you, it's not like it's something for you to just put on a shelf and wait and see if it happens. There's a lot of people who don't value the true heart of God that's been released over you, and therefore you go about your normal, ordinary life, and you put those prophecies, dreams, and visions on a, on a shelf, and you never live in those words, right? And the men of renown in the Bible... They all went through a season of challenge when they had oil poured on them or were called by the Lord in some manner. And it was through the night, through the dark season, that glory was then released. They became the Word through the night. They became their dream through the night. When you learn to hold... I was laughing because that, that song, you know, God is good, the, the goodness of God, um, God is holding on to me. The, the night is holding on to me. God is holding on to me. They're both in the same place. The Lord actually leads you into darkness. And so, <clears throat> as a backdrop, I want to read uh, Genesis 15, verse 1, um, and then 5 and 6. And this is the call of Abraham. After these things, the word of Yahweh. And just to stress the point here, this is Jesus the word, when, the, when the word of Yahweh is identified in the Old Testament, 
Um, the Word of God, it says in John chapter 1, it says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was God, and the Word was with God. Nothing was created without the Word. So the Word, when the Word comes to you, the prayer that came forth, the, the heart cry of God was that when, that when Jesus would come and speak. What just happened here? After these things, the Word of Yahweh came to Abraham in a vision saying, Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield and your reward shall be very great. Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward the heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord and it was accounted to him for righteousness. With people coming to church year after year looking at the Bible as a condition book. And that totally opposes the call of God on your life. When the Word, when the prophecy, when Jesus truly speaks to you, He's speaking to your heart. It's you and Him. It's a living Word. The living Christ is speaking to you. Right? And people in this region of the world are so comfortable with going back to what the Bible, being comfortable with what is written on paper. You know, your destiny... The call on your life is not written in that Bible. There's a book written of you in heaven, right? And, it, and, and one of the judgments in heaven, one of them is, are you alive or dead in Christ? The other one is, have you fulfilled your destiny? There's a book written of you. And you're going to find clues in that Bible when he speaks to you or he takes you to a scripture. But the fullness of what you are can only be revealed when you come to him face to face. There's a destiny that you are called to, right? And if you um, don't believe you have a destiny, then we have a problem. We have to, we have to allow you or, or lead you to take a grip that that prophetic word that was given over you that is impossible for you to achieve, God is in that word. All favor is in that word. All promise is in that word. All ability is in that word, the word. The Word, the living Word, Jesus, the living Word of Yahweh. Just like He came to Abraham and said, Abraham, leave your father's house, pick up everything, and, and go where I tell you to go. And Abraham's descendants became, he became the father of many nations because he believed. And it was accounted to him as righteousness. You can't be made righteous by following a bunch of conditions, coming to church on Sunday, even entering into spiritual things like raising your hands and worship. Those are all cool things designed to get you to come face to face. You heard the, the prophetic call of the, there is no veil. The call is for you to be face to face with Jesus so you guys can talk about what was spoken to you, what he personally spoke to you. So my question to you, church, spiritual church, how spiritual are you? Are you living in the impossible that the Lord has called you to live in? And many of you default the living impossible to using a gift of the Holy Spirit. Something as simple as Mark 16, 17. These signs shall follow me who believe. They'll cast out devils, heal the sick, raise the dead. Those are all supernatural things. But there are, I know people that live doing the gifts of the Holy Spirit that don't really live in their destiny. And I would much rather be chasing God, living my destiny, than chasing signs and wonders. Abraham wasn't chasing a sign and wonder. Abraham was chasing the, the call, the pull, where the Lord was leading him down this path of righteousness through an impossible place. Okay? Everybody with me? Everybody okay? Is it hitting home with anybody? 
Because you have to become comfortable with the process of God. And the process of God doesn't always feel good. Contrary to what us religious people think of wanting to come to church and why isn't this right in my life? (sighs) Nobody does that here, do they? I don't have anybody here that they can relate to. (sighs) Come on. Come on, man. Can I say that cry is normal? You're allowed to cry, but don't give up your promise. He actually takes you to a place of desperation, but don't give up your promise. There's a war going on for what was spoken to you. I'm going to read the famous scripture here, and I want to bring clarity to Jesus, the word. Just like the word, the living Christ came to Abraham, the living Christ comes to you in dream and vision. Prophecy. He speaks directly to you, and then you're challenged to hold on and become what he said you are. Ephesians 6, I'm just going to read from verse 10 through 18. I challenge you, just sit back and catch this, okay? You can go back and listen to it and study it later on. But catch what I'm saying to you. Because this is about faith. This is about an impartation of faith, okay? He says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. The word power there is the word kratos. It means the power of the word. The power of the living, what the living Christ actually spoke to you. Be strong in the prophecy. Be strong in the dream. Be strong in the vision. Be strong in what He said. Because inside what He said is all things to you. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not war... Or we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The word, word there is the word rhema. It's not what is written. The Lord may give you a written scripture that's your word, but I'm talking about when He comes to you and He speaks to you in vision and dream, and He reveals to you an identity, He reveals to you a calling, He reveals to you a purpose, He reveals to you something that you can never do on your own. And you're sitting there saying, do I believe what the Lord spoke to me? This war, that word is your armor. What did He say to Abraham? He came to Abraham and He said, you're going to be a father of great nations, I am your shield. I, the Word, am your shield. Paul is referencing the same thing here. He's saying that the what I speak to you, I am, my Word to you personally is your armor. Well, the Lord said that one day I'm going to go to the nations, but I don't, I don't see it. No, that Word, that impossible thing that He's challenging you to hold on to is your armor. Because the doubt, the principality, the evil thing that comes to steal it, it's designed to take the Word, the seed. In the parable of the sower, I'm going to jump over here real quick to the parable of the sower. 
And I'm going to jump back to Ephesians 6. But I want to use the parable of the sower to explain about the Word. When Jesus in Mark chapter 4, verse 10 through 20, He's explaining to the disciples what it meant, what He was trying to explain in the parable of the sower. Starting with verse 10, it says, But when He was alone, those around Him with the twelve asked Him about the parable. And He said to them, To you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables, so that seeing they may not see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. An important point here is, This parable is a key to understanding the kingdom of God. This is no small thing that I'm talking to you about tonight. If you believe that this, that what Jesus is saying here and trying to explain that if you believe this parable, he'll speak to you face to face, but he'll speak to others in parables. He'll continue to speak to those who don't believe what the Lord personally spoke to them. He'll speak to you face to face. He'll continue as, as you begin to draw on that seed as that word of promise. He reveals more and more inside of what He's saying to you. Inside of a seed is a kernel, the actual thing that, that brings life, right? Inside of what He said, there's more life inside of what He said to you than what He just said to you. So unpacking a word is, is, a, is a needed thing. Okay, You can function in prophecy. You can function in the gifts of the Spirit You can come in here in a prophetic anointing and tap into the gifts of the Spirit, but that's not your personal prayer life. In your personal prayer life, you sit down and you talk to the Lord about what He is talking to you about, and it it grows, it mushroom clouds, it expands. Okay? It takes intimacy with the Lord to unpack vision. It takes intimacy with the Lord to unpack the prophecy spoken over you. As you ask Him questions about it, as you talk to Him, as you feel doubt and unbelief coming against you, you are challenged to hold on. It requires intimacy. You can't fake it. You can't fake just going through the motions and showing up on Sunday. Right? And Jesus said to them, verse 13, Do you not understand This parable, how then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts, the prophecy, the dream, the vision, the very thing that gives life. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake. See, a lot of you have a misconception of being beaten down and trampled by the principality, the evil thing that's coming against you, and you think it's personal against you. No, you received a word. You're holding a seed in your heart that has the potential to reproduce. The only thing in the kingdom is the seed that reproduces. And the only thing Satan is concerned about is somebody who holds on to a seed. That's why your seed is also your armor. 
The very thing that, that gives you life and will reproduce eventually is the very thing that guards you and holds you is your breastplate of righteousness. It is your helmet. It is all things. All things that you need are in the seed. And Satan knows that life is in the seed and by no other means does life come. He's not concerned about people that come in and follow the conditions of the Ten Commandments and look the part of false righteousness. He doesn't care about that. You're already dead. But to those who would believe the impossible thing that Jesus spoke directly to you, He's scared of you. He's scared of the one who would become what was prophesied over them. Because you have the power in you through that word, through that prophecy, that dream, to reproduce. Not just become another church member. Somebody who just comes and takes up the space, even raises their hand, weeps a little bit, wonders why that happens, wonders why that happens. No, no, no. They go through the motions, but never really enter into the righteousness of Jesus speaking to them. That's kind of heavy. Although a lot of us can relate to the fact that, oh my gosh, I wasted my time there. I wasted my time there. I spent five years standing up, sitting down, going through the motions, regurgitating that, saying this because the pastor said that. And I never really fought for what Jesus was speaking to me about. I never really recognized that where I sat in the morning with Him was the most important place of my life. And I could have pulled on Him. Instead of entering into a prayer time and moaning and crying and why does this happen? Why does that happen? I could have been pulling on what He said knowing that it is my armor. That's faith. And I'm here to tell you that you on your own cannot create faith. Faith is given from Christ. It's a gift. And it's given with the Word given to you. It's packed inside the Word. Everything you need is inside what the Word has released in your heart. Jesus, the living Christ, the prophecy, the dream, the vision. Verse 17, And they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation and persecution arises, for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word, the dream, the prophecy, the vision, the personal thing that Jesus spoke to you in your prayer life, and the cares of this world, and the deceitful riches, and the desires of things entering in choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones sown on good ground, on a heart that holds on to what was sown to it. The good ground. And that's what this is about tonight. Jesus is saying, I sowed into good ground. I sowed into good ground. And I expect, Jesus is saying, I expect you to reproduce. Because I sowed into good ground. I sowed into you. When Jesus was on the cross and he, he took your sin to the grave, you got to realize sin is not your issue. Sin is not your issue. Being a hoe over, over five and ten years ago is not your issue. Being a drunk and somebody addicted to pornography is not your issue. Jesus dealt with sin. So your issue is not sin. Your issue is hearing the seed of God speak into your heart. Because when the seed, the Word of God speaks, He releases life. He does things to you that the normal church, the regular routines of normal church could never do to you. But when the seed speaks to you, when a prophecy breaks through that hard heart, when a dream, when the Lord comes to you in a dream and you wake up and you have this 
this electricity on your body. He's with you. That is the power of life. Jesus isn't worried about all the other routine crap about what you used to be. One thing made Abraham righteous. And it's the same thing that makes a man righteous today. When you believe Jesus, you are imputed with righteousness, but there's a process of righteousness too. You inside of Jesus, the seed, the living seed, is righteousness. And you become the righteousness of Christ when you believe Him. But there's a process of righteousness where He speaks to you in, to do something that is impossible for you alone. And you actually enter the identity that He called you as. That's freaky. That's freaky. Is, that that, is it that simple? Why? It, it begs the question, what have I been doing all this time? If you are not pulling on God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength, and all your soul, have you been going through the motions? Have you been going through the motions? There's only one thing. Do you get this? There's only one thing that Satan is concerned about. Satan is only concerned about somebody who would believe what Jesus said to him. One thing gives life. One thing reproduces. Some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. What are you? What expectation have you put on Him? What nation is in your heart? What city is in your heart? What family is in your heart? What child is in your heart? What has He spoken to you? What has He spoken to you? Because in what He spoke to you, there's life. In no other thing is there life. Nothing. No other thing is their life in but what He speaks to you. The seed. So how are you going to war? How are you going to war? How are you going to leave and go home and go through, oh my gosh, I forgot about that word. I forgot about that word. What if you pulled those things out that He already spoke to you? Or take what he said to you today or tomorrow or yesterday and you actually say, oh my gosh, I have a weapon of war. I have something to hold on to. And I know Satan came because this seed has the power to reproduce and this is what he's after. But you take what he said to you and you war with it. And you begin to speak over yourself that impossible thing. You begin to hold on to that impossible thing. You become the tree. Inside the seed is the tree of life. That's, that's biblical, right? Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but the seed is the tree of life. There's only one thing that produces life in the kingdom of God. You stepping into your calling and what you're called to do. And by that, you wage a good warfare. That's what Paul said to Timothy, right? Remember the prophecies spoken over you. And by them, wage war. Don't go lead the church in some more routines and go through these motions and things that appear righteous. No, he said, go wage war. He said, go remember what the Lord spoke to you, the prophecies, and wage war by them. For in you is the very church that's in you, the very region of Ephesus that's in you. Everything is in that seed. Your lineage is in that seed. Your inheritance, your generations beyond you are in that seed. Can it really be that simple? 
then why are so many people shouting out to the heavens? I bind you, principality. Come on, you guys are a spiritual church. Some of you guys got into that, huh? I bind you, principality. Worried about these things that really don't matter because there's only one thing that reproduces life. Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the enemy. The very Word of God is your armor. It's deep because it's so simple. Those on the outside, I will speak in parable. They'll continue to go around in a circle. They'll continue to come inside their walls of their organization, their churches, and they'll go through these routines and I'll continue to speak to them in ways they don't understand. Parables. But to you, to you, I'll speak face to face. That, I mean, when you let that settle in and you allow yourself to be real with Jesus about how religious you were, and you allow Him to rip out everything false. I mean, what if He were to like break your routines? Like, what if He would say, um, I don't know, what's your routine with, with church? What if He broke your routine? I mean, it's kind of probably scares pastors, but what if you didn't come to church on Sunday? And what if you only went to home group? Or I don't know. I don't know. What, what, do you, what have you made religious in the church? that you've become blinded by instead of putting your time into what He has said. Hmm? Because people think that, well, those times that Abraham, the, the way of Abraham doesn't exist anymore. And I'm here to tell you tonight that the way of Abraham, the thing that made him righteous is the same thing that makes you righteous. The only difference is Christ went to the cross he died for all your sins. And now instead of the anointing coming on individual select men in the Old Testament, now, the old, now in the New Testament, the anointing of God is poured out on all flesh and all men, all women will see dreams and visions and they'll prophesy. They will receive prophecy. They will have the opportunity to go through the veil and see Him face to face. So there is no excuse. Jesus Christ is the veil. And if you see Jesus Christ as the veil, the one who, who was ripped open, and you can actually go inside of Christ, into His heart. There is no veil. You can come face to face to hear His voice, to be strengthened in the things that He's already said to you. Resting in a place of intimacy where He will work with you to unpack everything that He originally said to you. Do you know that when He gives you a dream, that's really the beginning of a conversation? It's not like this one, one thing where you get out your dream book and you say, wow, the color purple means royalty. Oh my gosh, I'm royal. And then you go down, uh, he put a crown on my head. I'm also a royal king, right? And you try to make a spiritual thing something that you can figure out by what some dream book says. And the Lord says, no, that's not why I speak to you. I speak to you to bring you into further conversation that I may reveal the fullness of what I spoke to you. And unpack everything that I spoke to you. It's a beginning of a conversation. Did you ever hear this before? Huh? Anybody feeling ripped off with where you spent your time? There's a heart cry being released over you. I don't know if you realize that, but there's a heart cry. This is a heart cry. This is a pool on your heart. 
This is something that is tugging to you in a way of revelation that not many get to enter into. Not many. Where does, it, where does this revelation rest in the body? Where you are led to simply follow Jesus. Just follow, you mean I just follow Jesus? Well, my church organization makes me do this, this, and this, and that makes me righteous. Wrong. Wrong. I stand up in worship and raise my hands, that makes me righteous. Wrong. Wrong. What he speaks to you and how that intimate pool weaves in and, and be, becomes one with your heart, and you follow him through a windy path. See, I'm talking to you about the walk of Christ. The walk, walking with the Holy Spirit. About the call of Enoch. How he walked with God. How he was led by the voice of God. And see, the men of renown in the Bible were led by the voice. They were led by something that was supernatural. They weren't led by what was written on a page. And don't get me wrong, because this can mess you up. They weren't led by reading four chapters a day and getting in your Bible reading. They were led by putting an ear in the Spirit and hearing Him. And when He says, go here, do this, go here, do this, wait here. I want you to just rest for the next six months because I'm going to impart something to you. And you do it. That's what makes you righteous. So, I'm not sure exactly how this is going to go, but I want to share with you about the process of the Lord. Um, five years ago, when the Lord led me out of the church I was in, He came to me in South Africa when I was getting ready to preach, and uh, He invaded the room I was in, and He said to me, He said, you shine like the sun, but I'll blind you for a season, and when you return, you'll shine with a transparent light. And He said, when you get home, you're going to lose your job. And several other things are going to happen. And when I got home, I lost my job. And the next thing I know, I'm in Pittsburgh, stripped from all my friends, stripped from all my, my church relationships. Everything that I knew and was comfortable with had been stripped from me. And a lot of you would look at that and say, oh my gosh, the devil is attacking me. <laughs> right? My gosh, I'm getting attacked by the devil. <laughs> but I'm here to tell you, that that wasn't the devil, okay? When I got to Pittsburgh, the Lord asked me this question. He actually made a statement and opened up a discussion that has continued to this day. And he said to me, he says, I'm taking you north. I'm taking you to the north side of the mountain where many, where most will never go. But I'm taking you there and you need to pass this test. And a day later, the next morning, I came, came downstairs in my normal prayer life and I sat down in my chair and an angel was standing in front of me and he spoke Ephesians 6 over me. Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. And he, 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 he spoke through, through verse 18. He spoke it over me. And then he looked at me and put his hand on me and he says, you have to pass this test. And from that moment on, all hell broke loose in my life. It was, it was a time that uh, I look at now as utter darkness, utter uh, nothing was normal. I, I thought I was going crazy. I felt depression hanging on me. I felt um, pain that I didn't 
know why I felt pain, but I felt pain. And, you know, the, the, the concept of the north side of the mountain, there's a, there's a couple of scriptures I want to take you to to explain the north side of the mountain. In Psalm 48, verse 2, I didn't give this to you guys back there, so I'll just read it. Psalm 48, verse 2, it says, The joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north. So Zion, the place of ultimate worship, was on the north side of the mountain. Right? But then I'm going to take you to another, another scripture. In Isaiah 14, 13, this is the declaration of Isaiah the prophet revealing who Lucifer was. And he says, For you have said in your heart, Lucifer, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. Now think about this. The darkness. The Lord takes men into darkness where Zion is birthed. But He's also taking you into darkness where Satan has exalted himself on the north side of the mountain. Why would the Lord take me to a place of darkness? He said He'd blind me for a season. That can't be God, right? Can that really be God? Why would God blind a man? Why would God release a season of darkness on a man? And I'm here to tell you that in that place is both a deeper thing of the Lord and a deeper reality of the darkness. It's the darkness that reveals the need, the deeper need in you, but it also reveals a deeper relationship. Amen? And so this darkness is something that to the average man is unexplainable. And for those who've never walked into the impossible can't explain, can't father, can't mother the next generation of the church because they're still worried about how to make you righteous by following the rules, following the conditions of the Bible, even making spiritual things conditions. You know you can make spiritual things conditions? Oh, check by the whole or baptized in the Holy Ghost, pray in tongues. Check. I did that. I prayed like four or five times, but I don't pray now. I don't use that gift to pull on heaven. Check, but I did it. I got baptized in the Holy Ghost. I go up every Sunday and I take, partake with Jesus. I take communion, but I don't actually commune with Jesus. You take spiritual things and make them conditions the same way the Pharisee took the Bible, which was supposed to be a spiritual relationship, and they made it conditions. But in the darkness, when the Lord has prepared a man to take him in the darkness... The, 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 there's, there's nothing of your conditions, of your, right, of your false righteousness that will ever save you. The only thing that will prepare and equip and strengthen you in the darkness is what He said to you. His shield. I am Abraham. I speak to you and I am your reward. I am your, your shield. That's the warfare in the darkness. Okay? Everybody all right? You guys are kind of messed up, aren't you? You never heard this in church, did you? See, when the Lord, everybody believes, or most people believe, that they want somebody to lay their hand on them, and there's an anointing that comes on them, and the next thing they know, they go save the world. Run up, somebody lay hands on them. Run up, somebody lay hands on them. Thinking that, oh, this is the big one. This one, I'm, I'm the, next week I'm going to be in, in Egypt 
prophesying to, the, to, to Pharaoh or something, right? Don't get me wrong. There are impartations that happen. You just saw impartations. It's different though. It's a beginning. It's the walk. It's the process where you become what the Word spoke and said you are. Your heart has to be proven in a trial, in a difficult time, in something that's unexplainable. Do you know a seed, the Word of God, the seed, the prophecy, do you know the seed has a shell? The thing that reproduces is the kernel inside the seed. And unless that kernel cracks, unless it breaks open, that seed cannot reproduce. So, when you receive these prophecies and you think that your life is just going to be normal, it's not. (laughs) You're not normal. You're going to be challenged. Every religious thing in you is going to be challenged beyond measure. It's going, to be, it's going to be ripped out of you. You're going to be taken to places where you can no longer be comfortable in what you know. Come on, man. You can no longer be comfortable in what you know. You learn to be comfortable in who you know. And that when you know who you know, that when you wake up that day, you don't know how the bread is going to come, but you know that when you wake up, who you know is going to be there to feed you, to sustain you. He is your shield. And whatever comes against you, that is not your issue. It's waking up to the one who has life. And gives you everything you need and unpacks further everything that He has said to you and gives you everything you need for the day, for this day, the next day, and the next day. Amen? Does anybody feel like they've been um, wondering what you've been doing? Don't get me wrong. I know there's people in here who are following Jesus. I'm, re- I'm encouraging you that you leave go time There's a time factor here. And you've got to know that you cannot waste time going through half living in conditions and half believing prophecy, half believing dreams. Right? You've got to pull on what He has said to you. There's nations calling your name. There's nations calling your name. Seriously. There are nations calling your name. I can't preach everything I want to articulate. So when I was driving up here, I told you yesterday I had to stop and I had to write down what the Lord was speaking to me about. And I believe this is a cry. This is a, this is a release of the heart of God over you. That you, will, that you will be able to grasp, hold, that it is as simple as hearing God and believing what He has said to you. So just shut your eyes here and listen to this. A question is being posed to our generation. Are you willing to get off the beaten path and go where no man has gone before? Are you willing to lose the crowd? Are you willing to follow the path of righteousness that leads you into the valley of the shadow of death? Are you willing to get closer to His beating heart that can only be felt when you are all alone with Him? Are you willing to be led away from church success and man-pleasing? Are you talented ones 
even willing to give up your pulpit and your platform to follow Him to places of darkness where mighty men are made by the hand of God. Are you willing to leave the limelight and the routine that we call spiritual? Are you willing to enter this path where His vision is leading you? Are you willing to enter exile? Are you willing to go to the north side of the mountain, the place where all you have is Him, and you question why He would take you to such a place of pain? A place where you learn that even pain is your friend. As it, as it has been allowed for a time to shape you, used by the Lord to fashion you, to mold you, to unveil a deep heart cry of such need that your scream in the night even causes the foundation of your house to shake. The pain pushes you deeper into His heart and you don't want it to stop until your heart has opened up the seed and the promise is rooted in sprouting fruit. Don't stop, Lord. Don't stop your work. In this place, you don't know what will happen. You don't know why the pain of broken relationships continues. You don't know why the separation makes your heart ache. Your questions continue. Why, Lord? Why won't you deliver me, O God? And suddenly the Lord answers. I'm preparing you Son, I'm preparing you to awaken a generation. Only men of renown have walked this path. It was their anointing that took them into darkness, where my heart is made one with those willing to follow. The righteous call of Joseph sent him to slavery and imprisonment, but resulted in the crumbling of Pharaoh. David lived in a cave after his heroic son. How could this happen to an anointed king? But when it was time, says the Lord, He led a nation to Zion where 24 hour a day, 7 days a week worship birthed psalmist who heard the voice of the Lord in a time where only the priest was allowed to enter the holy place. The cave did this, says the Lord. The dark side of the mountain. The righteous call of Elijah led him to a cave, a time of darkness where he heard the voice of the Lord in a manner that birthed the school of the prophets and released the anointing upon Jehu to rip down Jezebel's kingdom. This happened in a cave, says the Lord, not inside the walls of a church. This happened in a cave. Jonah was swallowed up by a whale and spit out after three days in the night. It quit somehow, some way, to turn an entire occult-born city called Nineveh to fall upon their knees and repent. Moses sat alone watching sheep for 40 years before he was called. And the Lord said to him, I will make you as God to Pharaoh. And the great nation of wealth was crumbled before the eyes of the enslaved Israel. The path of the Apostle John took him into exile, chained to an island. No one to preach to, no one to prophesy over, no one to minister to, but the exile unleashed the greatest continuous documented heavenly encounter that we now call the book of Revelation. Who would dare to believe God? 
when there is seemingly no hope? Who would do such a thing? Who would believe God when there is nothing but darkness in your life? Do you dare to believe the unbelievable and not bow to the apathy of modern times? Is there anyone hearing this call? Is there anyone burning today like Evan Roberts, the man who birthed the Welsh revival, and Father Nash, the man who birthed the revivals that Charles Finney preached at, modern-day men of renown, men who spent years in the dark before they were released into their call, modern-day Modern day men who let the Lord do His work in the darkness. I hear the Lord say, I'm calling many out from hiding behind the walls of comfort into the place of exile. I'm beginning to call many to the north side of the mountain, to a place where today's church does not understand. I'm thrusting many into prison, into caves, into seasons that your common ministry cannot explain. But will you go? Will you go? Will you go? I'm restoring to the body of Christ the way of Christ. And as my son was placed in a cave, a place where man designated the body for death, I, the Lord your God, say that the darkness is not a cave, not a place of death, but it's a womb. The darkness is a womb. The darkness is a place of conception. The darkness is a place of new life. The darkness is a place of reproduction. The darkness is a place where the sons of God are born. Will you let me make you a man of renown? Will you let me make you a man of renown? For have I not spoken to you, says the Lord? Have I not let you dream? Have I not let you hear me? Do not fear the place that my hand is taking you, for I'm about to thrust many of you into exile and lead many of you to the north side, where together we will fashion your heart, where your heart would not let go of what I said. And when it is time, I will spit you out like I spit Jonah on the beach of a foreign nation. And cities will be taken. I will thrust you into nations like Moses, who I made like God to Pharaoh. I will reposition you from a cave to the palace like I did with David and cities will be given to hear in my voice. I will take you from your season of depression to pour out my oil on dying churches. I will do not fear. Do not fear the fiery trial that is before you, says the Lord, for I have determined to awaken this generation through the Davids, through the Father Nashes, through the Evan Roberts, through the Jacobs who are willing to wrestle with me in darkness. Take my hand. Take my hand. Take my hand, says the Lord. For I'm making you a great nation. Take my hand, says the Lord, for I'm making you a great nation. Take my hand. My word is my hand. Take my hand. For I'm making you a great nation. Can you feel the cry of the Lord? There's a shift in the body of Christ and churches all around you are crumbling. And don't say that there's something wrong with the church. The Lord is letting those things that are built on sand crumble. 
And he's calling men to be men of renown. Men who will not be comfortable inside the walls, inside the the place of continued, routine, predictable spiritual things. The Lord is taking men to the impossible. The Lord is taking men to places that the average Christian will not go. And I hear the Lord asking you the same question, declaring over you the same thing. I'm taking you north to a place where not many will go. Not many will go, but you need to pass this test. For I am with you. Fear not. Be not dismayed. For I am your God. Be strong in the Lord and the power of what He has spoken to you. Because inside of what He spoke to you will carry you through the darkness. It will become one with you. It will meld with your heart. And He will create in you a new heart. Just like the psalmist cried out, Create in me a new heart. Declared by the man who knew that when the Lord spoke, He recreated his heart. Create in me a new heart, Lord. Right now, the Lord is bringing to mind prophetic words that you let fall to the ground, that you let be stolen from you in times past. Things that Satan laughed for, for weeks, months, and even years as he stole life that was given to you. And I hear the Lord say right now that there's an open window, there's an open door for you to reach in and grab hold of those identities, of those callings, of those purposes, of what you really are. And hold on to it with all your heart. To love the Lord your God. This is what it means to love the Lord your God. You hold on to Him. And He is your shield. He is your strength. He is your armor. He is your armor. The Lord says, do not fear. I am your armor. I am your armor, says the Lord. And as I led Israel into the wilderness, into a season of night, and I sent my angel and told Israel, obey his voice. Obey his voice, because when you obey his voice, I'll be an enemy to your enemies. I'll be an adversary to your adversaries. I will drive out every tribe that currently owns the promise that I've given you. For I've declared you that promise. I, says the Lord, that is me. The Lord says that is my job. That is my job. I will drive out what owns your promise. For I've declared you own your promise. The enemy doesn't own your promise. You own your promise. You own your promise. So I know this is sobering. I want to shift the atmosphere in here because this needs to be a celebration. This is a celebration because there's been revelation given to you that you no longer have to waste your time and wonder why the pain and the suffering and the things that Paul declared, I want to partake in Christ's sufferings. These are it. These are the secret things. The things that will release the men of renown into this earth. Do you believe that there are great callings upon you? 
There are great callings upon you. There are missions upon you. There are cities upon you. There are families upon you. There's deliverance ministries in front of my eyes. Things that have not been birthed yet. Because this is about when you go into into being challenged to believe, you've got to know that God is good. And when the night is holding on to you, God, His Word is holding on to you. And He's pulling you. There are people here tonight that are being pulled into destiny. You are being pulled into destiny. There are people here tonight that are being pulled by the Lord because there's nations calling your name. This city is calling this church's name. This city is calling this church's name. This city is calling this church's name. Can you picture picture Isaiah standing, seeing the coals on the altar of the Lord? And the Lord asked the question, Whom shall I send? And whom shall go for me? And Isaiah says, Send me, Lord. Send me. This is what it means to be sent. There's a pathway that will lead you to stop-offs. There's a pathway that will lead you from glory to glory. And in between, there will be night seasons where there's a new glory that's hidden deep inside of you that what can't be unveiled until you go through the darkness. So right now, there's people in here questioning about years of darkness. Why years of darkness? And a great clue has been given to you. That inside of your prophecy, inside of your dream, is your deliverance from the very thing, the darkness that has, that has contained you. There's seeds starting to sprout. There are seeds right now being fertilized by faith, and they are sprouting. And I see sprouts breaking through the soil. Trees, young saplings, young trees breaking through the soil. Because you realize that what He said to you contains all faith, all ability to achieve what He's called you to. You asked for revival at the beginning of this. And the Lord poured out. You asked for Him to visit you. He's visited you. Jesus has spoken to you tonight. The Word of God has come and repositions hearts. Hearts. Hearts that have been allowed to fade and go through routines. For months and years, you've been comfortable. And the same thing that is happening in this family, where a glory has come on a man, that same thing's going to happen in this house because there's going to be glories released on people. And it's going to cause friction in relationships because when a glory comes on a man, it causes everybody around them to look at the glory that's on a man. And they begin to question themselves, why is the glory that's on that man not on me? Why is the glory that is glowing and leading that man through an impossible path, why is it not on me? And I'm here to tell you that's just the beginning of an awakening. That's the beginning of you asking the Lord a question. Why not me? Why not me? Why not me? Say that with me. Say, Lord, why not me? Why not me? You spoke to me, Lord. You gave me a vision. You gave me a dream. 
You gave me an impossible thing to do. Why am I not glowing yet? Why am I not in my anointing? Why am I not in my calling yet? Why, Lord? And I see Jesus opening the door that you allowed to stay shut for a long, long time. Waiting for you to come knock on what he said you are. Waiting for you to begin to cry out and take hold of what he said you are. What are you? What has he said you are? What has he said he is to you? Come on, there's deliverance happening in this room tonight. And it's through the revelation that in Christ are all things. In the seed he's spoken to you is all things. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, I'll not set my heart on the pain. I'll not set my heart on the doubt. I'll not set my heart on broken relationships. I'm setting my heart on you, Lord. I'm setting my heart on what you said I am. And right now, I put a pull. I expect you to speak to me. To unpack what you said I am. What you said I'll do. What you said I'll go. Unpack it for me, Lord. When I sit down tomorrow morning in prayer. When I lay my head down to sleep tonight. I expect you to release faith in my heart. To release manna in my hand. You are the bread of life, Lord. The living God. The one who nourishes me. Sustains me. And builds me. To become the impossible thing. That you called me to be. So right now, as Jesus declared, glorify me that I may glorify you. I cry out to you, Lord. Glorify me that I may glorify you. Glorify me that I may glorify you. Jesus, glorify me. That I may glorify you. I'm not playing church. Glorify me. Revive me. Revive the vision that I let go. Right now, Lord. Right now. Thank you for joining this week's episode of the School of the Holy Spirit. For more information or to request David at your church or conference, please go to davidcuppet.org, D-A-V-I-D-C-U-P-P-E-T-T dot O-R-G. You can also find the School of the Holy Spirit podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Charisma Magazine. For a deeper dive into the Holy Spirit, we encourage you to purchase David's new book, The Key of David, Experiencing the Voice of God, available on Amazon. 
We pray that you will encounter the Holy Spirit in a transforming way and become all that Christ has prophesied over your life.